the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic, and I am co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is the leading provider of lines of credit to small nonprofits. Our line of credit program is easy, inexpensive, and costs nothing to use, making a great cash backup plan for your nonprofit. If you'd like to learn more about our program, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And if you decide to apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file. Or feel free to give us a call at 862-207-4118. Just remember the time to set up your line of credit is today, not when you actually have the emergency or the problem. And considering that the line of credit doesn't cost anything to set up, it kind of is a smart decision. We have hundreds and hundreds of nonprofit clients spread out throughout the United States. And I can't tell you how many times I get a, wow, I'm glad I got this thing set up type of call. And uh, so we're proud to offer this to, to our clients and to our nonprofits. Today, I'm excited to be speaking with Lynn Ar- Arsenault from G- LMA Grant Consulting. Again, it's LMA Grant Consulting. I got a little tongue tied there for a second, which is not unusual for me as uh, listeners know. Lynn is the owner of Grant uh, Cons- uh, uh, is the owner and grant consultant of LMA Grant Consulting LLC. As a professional grant writer, Lynn works with nonprofit clients around the U.S. to strategically develop funding goals, identify potential donors, improve proposal writing, and ultimately build a strategy to secure grant funding. Lynn holds an MBA in nonprofit leadership and a BA in elementary education and liberal studies with a focus in psychology. She has written grants for the past four years and has started her consulting business last June. Prior to her work as a grant writer, Lynn was a teacher in Texas and Massachusetts and a Peace Corps volunteer in Vanuatu. <laughs> How do you pronounce that? Vanuatu. Vanuatu. Okay, well, now yeah. I know it's in Africa. Uh, uh, Lynn, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here to connect with you. So I think the most important question I'm going to ask you today is where is Vanuatu? It's actually a small island nation in the South Pacific. So if you look at a map, it's uh, east of Australia, north of New Zealand, and west of Fiji. So if you sort of drew a dot kind of in between all three of those, it's a teeny tiny island nation in the South Pacific. And how excited were you when you found out you were going there? Yeah, I was really excited. I mean, it's uh, such an interesting country and uh, such a wonderful culture. Uh, myself, I learned so much while I was there. And really, I would say that kind of started my career with the nonprofit world. And and really, uh, for me, I was able to learn so much about, you know, myself and my my own interests for the type of work I wanted to, to go into and see what type of work is out there, but also have this incredible cultural exchange opportunity uh, in, a, in a wonderful little island nation with such welcoming people. What was their number one biggest problem that they, that you were kind of helping them with? Yeah. So uh, what, what my work was there was really focused on education. So they had this, um, you know, interest in uh, being able to improve the, the 
teaching methodologies in the schools. They were really focused on rote learning and wanted to work with educators from outside the country to think about how can how they can adapt the way that they teach. Uh, so I worked with the teachers and co-taught with them within their classrooms and uh, you know worked one-on-one -on -one with students, but also did some additional type of work within the community and um, you know worked with them to get solar panels uh, to you know have an energy source within the village. Uh, but really, I would say my primary work was focused on education while I was there. Cool. Good for you. Yeah. Uh, so uh, today's topic, uh, I, I really like this topic uh, a lot. Uh, I think we're going to do more and more podcasts on it as well. And that is uh, the key components of grant writing. And we've done a number of uh, podcasts on this already. But uh, I, I think, you know, keeping in mind that a large majority of our listeners are smaller nonprofits, you know, under 5 million, but there are many of them who have never either applied for a grant before or don't have a systematic approach to applying to grants. And so what I'd like this, you know, podcast to be, if I ask good questions, hopefully, is really a good, uh, introduction and uh, to people who want to build a system of grant writing uh, so that they win awards. So uh, so to start off with, is, is there statistics that you've seen for the percentage of times when you uh, apply for a grant and you get it and you win? Yeah. So I think that's such an interesting question and comes up a lot in the grant writing world. And surprisingly, the, the national statistic, I was just looking at this the other day, is fairly low. It's between 10 to 30 percent win rate for grant writers. And that's industry wide. And there's a lot of reasons behind that. It's, you know, in large part, it's because there's always going to be more uh, nonprofits requesting funding than there is funding available. So there's always more asks out than there than there is funding available. But for that reason, it's always important for a nonprofit to have multiple asks out because really part of the the nonprofit uh, grant writing you know game is that there's going to be rejection. You're not going to win every grant. Uh, but if you you know take those rejections and turn it into a, a learning moment where you can potentially connect with the funder, learn what were the red flags for your application and how can you improve your future applications, uh, that can be a really great strategy to help with that, you know, quote, win, win rate for the future. Yeah, I had a, um, a guest on, uh, it was a while ago, and she was really good because she, she was, she was the, uh, uh, executive director for a foundation that really helped with people who don't have dental health care. Mm -hmm. And so they, uh, they issue, of course, uh, uh, grants to organizations, nonprofits that uh, kind of help people get dental care. Uh, and so she told us from her side, what makes a great applicant, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, what I've learned from uh, you know grants is that the the foundations, let's say in that case the foundations anyway, are very open to giving feedback. Mm -hmm. Is that your experience too? 
Absolutely. And, you know, foundations also expect it too. They recognize that there's a lot of effort being put into this. And so, you know, what I like to encourage my clients to do and what I often do on behalf of my clients is reach out to foundations even before applying to try to build a relationship. It's a lot better you know, you're putting yourself in a better place if they have an idea of who you are when they receive that application rather than just getting sort of a cold application. So if it's possible, and again, not all funders are open to this. This is, you know, every every foundation is very different. And some foundations who are receiving, you know, many, many applications, they just don't have the capacity to connect with everybody. But there are a lot of foundations that are willing to connect one-on-one and all it takes is just to reach out, ask if you can schedule a phone call or Zoom meeting as things are nowadays. And a lot of times, you know, they'll be very open to that. And what can be helpful too is that maybe in that call, you'll learn that actually you're not a good fit for applying for funding. And that's going to save you a lot of time and and effort for that application, you know, if they can tell right off the bat that maybe there is a red flag. But it's also an opportunity to network and say, you know, do you have any suggestions for us? Are there any other foundations? Now that you've heard a little about us, would you recommend us to connect with any any foundations that come to mind? So I look at that communication piece as equally important, you know, before, during, and after the application process. And then, of course, if you receive the funding, really stewarding that donor and, and making sure that you're staying connected with them through uh, clear communication remains important. Yeah, and the other, I guess the other key thing is when you reach out to them, if you get a chance to speak to them, you kind of see if you're wasting your time or not, mm-hmm. right? And then maybe you also see if you can, if there's a angle that they like you to play up a little bit more uh, that increases the chances that you're going to win the grant, correct? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I've had uh, foundations that I've connected with that at the beginning of the call, my thinking was they might be interested in this particular program that this client is doing, but throughout the conversation, as I sort of brought up the other things they were doing, uh, the foundation said, well, hold on, let me hear more about that because that is actually more in line with what we would like to fund. So having those conversations can be so important. Well, it must be challenging for you because as a consultant, you'll come in and I mean, let's face it, sometimes you, you don't, because you're coming in, you, you read everything on their website, you listen to them, but you don't know every nuance that's going on in, with your clients. So if somebody you know, says something like that, it must be a little bit of a challenge for you because you can't give them the, the level of detail that an executive director would. Absolutely. And, you know, I kind of approach it with two different uh, things in mind when it comes to that. Whenever I first starting, whenever I first start to work with a new client, it's really important to me that I can gain as much information as possible from them so that I can represent them well in a, in a call like that. So when we first start working together, you know, after we've signed contracts and said, okay, this is going to work, we'll, we'll collaborate. Um, what I like to do is design a survey specific to the information that I really need from them so that I can get a, a more well-rounded idea. And then I start to kind of 
put that information together and then set up a follow-up call so that I can ask them all of those nitty gritty kind of annoying questions that it's probably you know second nature to them where they might have mentioned a program and but not a lot of details about it and i want to say you know tell me more tell me more about that how did that start tell me more about the history of your organization so that i can really gather as much data as possible and then when it comes to these calls always you know talking to the director or whoever it is that i'm working with in that nonprofit whether it's the the president uh, of the board or the executive director and see if they're interested in joining those calls. Because like you said, no one knows the nonprofit better than the person who's actually leading the charge. So if the executive director is able to join that call, it's, it's that much more beneficial. But if they're not, it's so critical that I have really done my deep research so that if an additional question comes up that maybe I wasn't prepared for, I'm able to answer that on behalf of the client. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's get into the meat of the subject matter about uh, key components of grant writing. I'm going to ask you for three key components, mm. the, the top three. And um, but tell me the top three right now, and then we're going to dive into each one of them. Okay, sure. So uh, when thinking about like the components of an of a proposal narrative. I like to say there's actually like six specific uh, pieces that come to mind, but mm -hmm. uh, that well, are really important. But I'll okay, I can, I'm more than happy to talk yeah. through each of them if helpful. Yeah. Sure. So when thinking about a proposal, the the six most important things is first the the organizational background and history, the need statement, the program goals and objectives the methodology, evaluation, and sustainability. So this is really focused on the proposal narrative. Separately, there are other pieces to grants, such as the budget, such as financial documents, but this is really the narrative, and this is where the story comes through of why your program is important, why you think there's some mission alignment between your nonprofit and the funder, and this is your opportunity to compel the funder to, to give to your organization. Yeah. So we'll take one at a time now. So sure. the or organizational background, I guess, you know, one of the key things that, and I've had some podcasts on, you know, in regards to the subject matter of storytelling. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess, you know, what we're talking about with organizational background or about the you know, whole organization is you want to be able to tell a compelling story. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and this organizational background gives an opportunity to provide a little history of the organization. You know, where are you located? What is it that you're doing? Why are you doing it? And even that opportunity to, to storytell. Um, the way that I like to look at it sometimes is sometimes there's an organization that maybe they offer three or four different programs, but this proposal is focusing on one. Well, this organizational background section is the opportunity to give the full summary. What in all does your organization do? And you don't have to go into detail. It can even just be, you know, very brief and say, you know, we do these uh, A, B, and C. These are the programs that we do. This is why we're compelled to do it. Uh, this is a brief introduction of, of the board staff, or excuse me, the board members and our staff. 
and why we are so passionate about the cause. So it's really, you know, this is that uh, first moment that you're, you're introducing your organization to the reader. And so the one thing that I always like to remind clients and what I think about in my own writing is it is so important that it is crystal clear what you do in this section. So when you're when when you're writing it, sometimes if you're really familiar with your own work, you're really deep in the weeds. Um, it's easy to write with kind of this uh, unconscious assumption, like the reader also has the same background knowledge. But you want to take a step back and say, if I had nothing to do with this organization, if I was just reading this for the first time, would I understand what this organization is all about by reading this background section? I, 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 I would I would guess that it's super important that even, you know, I know we're getting into the six steps, but even before you start putting your the background of your organization there, it's still important to understand what the the foundation or what the grant is being awarded for and what they're looking for, because you could be doing a whole bunch of different, you know, six different programs Mm -hmm. and, you know, you, you start focusing on all these different programs and they don't care about those as much. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, you go to buy a car and they start, you know, you want a, a car that fits your family for four kids and they start showing you a two seater race car. Right. It just yeah. doesn't really match. So, uh, you know, I, I you know, it's, it's important to make sure you understand to give them what it is that they think that they're going to want. Absolutely. And mission alignment is something that's so important throughout an entire application as well. So in that organizational background section, this is where you really want to include your organization's mission statement and also make a connection to the funder's mission. If you are applying to this grant because you saw the funder is interested in X, Y, and Z, you can adapt your wording to to say, you know, we think we could be a good fit because of this alignment of interest. So it shouldn't really just be a copy and paste for every grant application. You want to make sure that it's custom to who it is that you're applying to. So recognizing and clearly identifying where that mission alignment is. Cool. So the second one was uh, needs, uh, right? Which is just somewhat fits into what we're just talking about. So tell us, expand upon that area. Sure. So the need section, this is really identifying what is the need within the community, whatever community it is that you are supporting, if it's a specific uh, you know, region, state, country, what have you, what is the need and why isn't it already being supported? So for example, um, if you are education focused and you're recognizing that there is a specific gap and there's a specific need and also, why is there this gap? What is the history there? Why is it so important that we address this gap? So there are, you know, so many needs and and really a nonprofit um, should be able to easily answer this question. So when I start working with a new client, this is one of the first things that I'll ask them is what is the need that you feel you're addressing? This is something that they might not have actually put down on paper, but they know it within their their heart of hearts. It's their passion. They're saying, you know, we need to address, um, you know, this issue in the community. We see this every day and it's so important and we are the best to be doing this because X, Y, and Z. Now, 
they it's also important to kind of do your background research of who else is addressing this need and what differentiates you. Why uh, are you the organization that this funder should support? What if they receive a an application from both you and a very similar organization that's doing the same work and addressing the same need? What sets you hmm. apart and why are you the best positioned to address this need? So this is really important, but you know, really digging into uh, the community. I, Lynn, I, I'm really, uh, I'm glad you brought that point up about comparing yourself, not comparing yourself, but thinking about doing the, the uh, grant as if you're competing against, well, you kind of know that, but you don't, you may not position your, your grant response thinking, how are we better than the other organizations that are doing, they're applying for this grant? I don't think you normally, because I, you know, let's face it, I don't know if nonprofit executive directors or, or people who are applying for grants are like competitive people, you know, I, is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I would say nonprofit directors are very mission driven. And yeah. so they are really focused on uh, giving back to the community, doing something good for the community. So it is kind of hard to to make that shift and, and kind of almost look at it in a salesy kind of way of why are we the best? Why should you support us? And it does feel kind of competitive. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, one thing that I've heard from funders, too, is, you know, sometimes say if there's a, a newer nonprofit uh, that is, you know, just in the beginning stages. But then it turns out there's another nonprofit in the same geographic region that's doing very similar work. And a funder's initial feedback often in that situation is you should consider merging with that other nonprofit and think about how you could work together and really address the the need in the community together. Because if there isn't any way that you're different, uh, then actually it's just spreading the resources to more places to do the same thing. So from the funder's perspective, um, and that's that's a hard sell to a, an executive director to say, yeah. well, you merge with another organization. Yeah. Uh, so you know, with that in mind, if there's a way that you can differentiate yourself and say, well, you know, we might be doing this particular program similarly, but what sets us apart and brings us above and beyond is we do this, which is very different. And it's, you know, one of a kind. Can you take those two organizations that do something similar and maybe they're told by the foundation, why don't you combine? Um, will, will the foundation, if, if the executive directors for both nonprofits meet, Mm-hmm. Could they form a partnership and and share the money and and say we'll do this together uh, instead of combining the operation in the long run? Absolutely, there are a lot of instances where nonprofits will find a way to partner together to combine their efforts and then apply for a grant together. It's just important that you're you know really reading through the details of the the grant application because there are some funders that actually they they are looking to support partnerships. Uh, and, and if that is something that a funder is looking for, even better. So there's definitely a lot of times when that happens. And, uh, you know, 
two nonprofits, they say, let's join forces for this particular program. Let's apply for funding together. And they're you know, sometimes there's even kind of a cohort of multiple organizations who all have a very similar uh, focus, maybe in a particular sector, and they decide to, as a group, apply for funding in a way that it could be divided up between them. So there's a lot of different types of grants out there. uh, And that is definitely, that's definitely something that, um, that wouldn't be unheard of. Okay. So the third uh, phase was goal. And uh, so maybe you could tell us a little more about that. Sure. So the program goals and objectives, this is really, you know, now we've identified what the need is in the community and the program goals and objectives. This is what what is it that you're doing to address the the issue that you talked about? So uh thinking about as a whole, what are your goals um, over the next fiscal year? uh, What are the specific objectives underneath those goals? So for example, if um, the need that you're addressing has uh, something to do with, I'll just kind of keep going back to education. Say if you wanted to if you have already identified that there's this specific learning gap in education. So you've talked about why it's important, what this gap is now in the program goals and objectives. You're going to talk about what is it that your organization um, is doing to address this. And it kind of mixes in sometimes with that methodology section. Uh, so sometimes when folks are applying for grants, I feel like those two can kind of become combined because that that next section methodology is is the how. So the the program goals and objectives are the what, what is it that's happening, what are you doing, and the methodology is really digging into the details of the how. So what is the timeline? What are the expenses? This is a great moment. It's not the budget, but it's a great moment to say your funding will specifically be supporting this cost. So a lot of times it's easy when you're writing a grant to to kind of just uh, vaguely say, your funding will expand the program. Well, the person reading it wants to know, well, what does expand the program mean in your terms? So you could say, well, your funding will allow us to hire this additional staff person. It will allow us to um, you know, use this uh, new online platform that will make it possible to do X, Y, and Z. So thinking about the program goals and objectives, what is it that you're going to do to address the need in the community? That methodology section is really digging deeper into the how. The... Um- is the goal and objective section where you would put in the measurements? So you could begin to touch on measurements there. I would say, especially under when you're thinking about objectives, if, if you are thinking about your year as a whole over the next year, um, it's really important to the funder that you have identified how many people are you going to reach? What are the metrics of success? There, you know, in the later section for evaluation, this is where we'll talk about that even more. But definitely, I would say, with when you're thinking about your own objectives, really identify what does success mean to you. So, if you receive this grant, and a year from now you're reporting on how everything has gone, uh, and it was successful or it wasn't successful, well 
what does that definition of success mean for your organization? Does it mean that you have expanded the number of people that you reach? Does it mean that when you provide surveys to really understand your impact, that this percent of people are identifying this percentage of growth for a specific skill? So it's really thinking about, um, you know, those uh, those goals in that in that metric area, but then in the evaluation section, you get to expand on on that even more. So uh, I know we touched upon it already, but uh, did you want to add more to the next section, which is methodology? Yeah, yeah. So for the methodology section, you know, one thing I want to add too, because I I said sometimes this is sort of combined. When I think of these sections separated out, um, this is really kind of, these are the generic things that funders are looking for. These are the generic pieces of information. And every application is a little different. So sometimes uh, funders will ask for this information, but using a different question. And then other funders will say, just submit your proposal and you have to figure out what sections do I include in my narrative. And if you have that opportunity to really break it down, it's really helpful to separate those pieces out. Whereas Mm. if you're looking at the questions, being able to identify if they say like, how will you do this? And then you can say, oh, they're asking the methodology question. Um, But yeah, again, in this methodology section, This is another opportunity to really differentiate how your organization is is addressing this need differently than other similar organizations. So thinking about your approach and why that is the best way to approach the problem and really thinking about how you're doing it um, in a way that, that really is supporting your constituents. Yeah, it it crossed my mind that you're probably have one chance to, as you're doing the grant, as you're writing it up, to potentially reach out to them and ask them a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably don't, shouldn't do it, you know, twice or three times. Uh, and you bet it better be a good question too, yeah. right? And not just to clarify, you know, the grant that you're doing, but also to showcase that you're on the ball. Was that mm-hmm. fair? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would even kind of suggest or or warn <laughs> before reaching out with a question, really make sure that you have reviewed all the information on the website that they offer about the application. Because if the answer is already yeah. listed on the website, it, yeah. it's not a good look. Yeah. And sometimes if, if um, you know, I have come across... Uh, grant giving entities that on their website, there is a fine line sort of hidden somewhere that says, please do not reach out unless you have thoroughly gone through everything on our website. And if you still can't find it, then contact us. So um, you do want to be respectful of their time, but also making sure that you don't sort of slip up and and, and look like you haven't done your homework already. Yeah, that's why I would be a terrible grant writer because I am, yeah, I'm not a detailed guy. So I probably wouldn't read it, you know, and I'd call them. And so, you know, I, I, I'm i good strategically, you know, I'd be great strategically, but I would not be good. I'd have to hire you, Lynn, to kind of <laughs> do that type of work. Um, all right. So the next one is evaluating, I think, mm-hmm. or evaluation. 
Yeah. So for this section, so we talked about, you know, when you're thinking about your objectives earlier, you're, you're naming what success looks like and, and trying to identify what your reach will be. Well, how will you evaluate that success? Is this going to be through surveys? Is it going to be um, through observation? Is it going to be, you know, uh, tracking in different ways. There are so many ways to evaluate. Maybe you're using a standardized uh, survey that is um, used by a lot of different types of organizations. So really talk about uh, how you're going to collect that data. I also sometimes like to use this as a place as well to say, you know, these are these are our, um, the metrics that we're assessing and historically, this is what we have seen with this data. So you might not have expanded as in-depth about this on a previous section, you know, when talking about those objectives. But this is an opportunity to say, you know, we have seen um, really great success in this area, uh, but we want to maybe increase uh this, this particular impact, and we're going to do it in this way. So how are you going to measure success? And this can be really challenging. <laughs> this, is, this is one of those areas that I think stumps a lot of nonprofit professionals. And, um, you know, I've gone to many workshops to really step back and think about this evaluation section and um, think about, you know, what is the best way to show the person reading and that funder that you know what you're doing. You are in control of um, gaining this, this data and really being able to assess uh, the data that you collect in a way that will also allow you to improve your program for the future. So how are you going to use this data if you collect this information and maybe it's not the numbers that you hoped for. It's not the impact that you hoped for. How can you use that to then improve uh, for the future? I'll also say too that um, it's important to have both quantitative and qualitative data. So thinking about uh, collecting stories from your constituents and really understanding that deep impact. So it's okay to say that, you know, we evaluate based on the feedback we receive in these surveys uh, and it might be written feedback and really providing, um, you know, some, some great context of why your program is important. Um. You know, when you were talking about that, I, I, I maybe really think about this and why I think it's important, even if they do bring you on, Lynn, as a to to, to help with the grant writing, that they're really involved still in writing the grant. But it's that doing this whole process, and we're not finished with yet. I know we have one more section. I think it probably really makes you a better nonprofit anyway it probably makes you a better organization. I, I can, you know, some of these questions that you start looking at, I, I can see where you start questioning and, you know, you're like, well, do we evaluate our success and how do we evaluate and how do we measure? I mean, I can really see where it makes a big difference. I mean, would you agree? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's almost like your business plan. You know, it's really, it's really looking at a program as, as a whole, um, it's not just saying we need funding, please fund this area, but it's really stepping back and looking at 
how the program fits into your organization as a whole and what that means for your nonprofit. Um, and also, how is it furthering your mission? Why is it important uh, to, the, to what, what it is that you care about to begin with? So, yeah, I agree. I, I think that um, all of these things are so important. And also, it can, you know, those evaluation measures can help you programmatically because you might collect information and start to put it together for a funder. And then you're looking at it and realizing, oh, there's this additional need that maybe we didn't realize before. Maybe we need to improve or pivot our program in some way. So last section is uh, sustainability, I think it, it is. Yeah. So tell us a little more about that. Sure. So for sustainability, this is really a financial question, and it's not always phrased that way. So when you see a question that says, how is your program sustainable? Um, I like to try to read between the lines. They're asking a lot of times, um, how are you sustainable financially long term? It's really important to be able to show a funder that you have a, a diverse revenue stream, that you are not only asking them alone for funding and that that funding is what is going to sustain your organization. So this is your opportunity to say, you know, we uh, are, are sustainable financially long term because we bring in revenue through program fees. Uh, we bring in uh, funding through our major gifts, our fundraising events, our individual donors. 100% of our board contributes on an annual basis. These are all really important factors and it shows a funder that there is this really great foundational support for your nonprofit. They want to know that um, if you don't receive this funding, can your organization still operate? And if the answer to that is no, then actually there are some kind of other priority areas that you want to think about before applying for a grant. Because I will say that this is a huge red flag area when applying for grants. So I, I think that um, a lot of newer nonprofits run into this challenge where they have, uh, you know, gotten their 501c3 status, they have a board of directors together, they know what their mission is, and now they need funding. And sometimes the first thing they think about is applying for grants. But the thing is, if you have no donors outside of a potential grant, that sustainability section is, is really um, empty, <laughs> to say the least. And so it's really important that before you're applying for grants, you're thinking about, you know, who are these community supporters that would be interested in making a contribution first? How else can we bring in revenue? Can we uh, do a fundraising event? Do some of our programs bring in revenue on their own? Uh, so showing that long-term sustainability is really important. And then, of course, thinking about programmatic sustainability is also important as well. But I would say this is usually nine times out of 10, a financial question that the funder is trying to see, you know, are we the only one that would be supporting you? So uh, we've gone over the six steps and I kind of waited to the end to kind of ask you this question. It came up earlier in my thought process, but why wouldn't somebody just outsource their whole grant writing program to you? I mean, if the if the hit ratio is 50%, let's say, and you have a defined, you know, so you, you're picking the right ones and with your help, you'll, you would make sure. 
why wouldn't you, you know, why wouldn't you just say, you know what, let's just outsource this out to Lynn and, uh, you know, and with the money that you're going to win, it's going to pay more than what you earn. Right. Uh, Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a great question. And, um, you know, taking a step back and of course I, I love supporting nonprofits and working with them as, you know, an independent contractor, but if a nonprofit is able to afford an in-house grant writer and hire someone who works within the organization full time, and then they're the only one that they're writing grants for, it really deepens that person's understanding of the work and of the organization. And they get to see what the organization is doing long-term. And they really have that closer relationship because they are the ones maybe delivering the programs and working with the constituents and can provide some of those stories from a firsthand basis. So not every nonprofit has that ability to have to hire a development team, to have, you know, a, a director of development and a grant writer and, you know, all of the the staff that it takes to have a really, um, you know, long-term grant strategy. And so for those nonprofits who, you know, don't have the ability at the moment to hire someone who's in-house and long-term, it can be beneficial to consider hiring an outside consultant who um, maybe it's just for, you know, three to six months that they're working with them. Uh, And another thing that I I like to do with my clients as well in recognizing that it's, you know, it's usually for uh, at least a few months that we're working together. I like to provide them with like a boilerplate template so that when we're done working together, they have all of the information from each of these sections in kind of a grant template that they can use for the future. So they'll want to modify it and adapt it. Again, it's not a copy and paste type of answer. You know, you want to answer questions the way that uh, funders are asking them. Uh, But having this information in, in one place is so, so helpful uh, so that it can be reused in the future. And then hopefully through our time together, I can kind of provide that support so that they understand what funders are asking for and how to write in a way that shows the mission alignment. Um, but yeah, I would say if if a nonprofit is able to hire an in-house uh, grant writer or even build out a development team, it does provide that inside look. So that that is why a lot of nonprofits would go that way. They they get to see you know firsthand um, what the impact is of the program. And so sometimes that writing you know there'll be more yeah. uh, I don't want to say more heart, but just more understanding. And they're they're kind of surrounded with it all the time. They know all of the buzzwords. Uh, so while I, of course, do uh, what I can to to gain that information from the client, there are a lot of benefits to having an in-house grant writer as well. Yeah, I could see where you would maybe bring somebody in from, you know, uh, uh, maybe someone who just recently graduated from college or someone who is a good writer and uh, and maybe they work closely with you. Um, so that you kind of can lead them and transition them into being a really good grant writer. And, uh, and you know, that way it saves some money, but yet your, you know, people, I, I know the issue must be the carpet for the horse, right? So, you know, you're going to bring in a grant writer and maybe it's going to take, what would you say, six months before you're notified if you won the grant? 
Yeah, I would say, you know, every grant is different, but it takes at least, I would say, a minimum of usually about three months before you hear back and sometimes even longer. Yeah. So there, there is this kind of uh, extensive waiting period. <laughs> and so that's also why it's so important to have multiple asks out uh, at any given time and never, yeah. you know, don't just rely on one proposal. So, I, so you have to have, let's say, six months. And if you're going to pay someone, it's a full-time salary of 50000 You know, I don't know what a, a, a kid out of college for this type of thing would go for. Uh, so, that's, you know, that's fifty, And then you got to add uh, unemployment, you know, all the taxes. That's 62500 Divide that by 12 times that by six equals. That's $32,000 without benefits. Um, that you need to come up with to be able to say, okay, we're going to carry this person until we win this grant. But then you have to make sure that the grant can be used uh, to pay people's salaries too, because sometimes they're restricted versus unrestricted, right? In regards to grants. Yeah. So I can kind of see where it gets expensive to say, regardless if you're going to bring someone on full time or if they're going to bring you on, you know, you got to be able to have that money up front to be able to carry it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would say kind of logistically speaking from the hiring sense, it's a lot easier to hire someone who's a 1099 independent contractor versus bringing someone on payroll and benefits and, you know, thinking about all of the, the logistics around that, especially yeah. if maybe you're really only interested in working with a grant writer for a shorter period of time. So maybe it's something that you're kind of testing out and seeing if it's right for your organization, or maybe there is like one specific project that you have that you're like, I'm working on this federal grant. It is just so overwhelming. It's taking up all my time. I need someone else to do it, but hiring someone long-term doesn't make sense for this one project. Again, that's another great reason to to hire someone in a consultancy uh, type of format where you know you're, you'll say this is the project that I need. Can you support me with it? And it's more of a short term uh, thing. Is there an average? And I, originally, I, I thought I think I might have said a range for you, but is there an average for how long it takes for you, you personally, to uh, you know, again, let's say five million dollars in revenue and less for a nonprofit. So, you know, the smaller nonprofits, how long it takes for you to apply for a grant, the, you know, oh, for the whole it. thing. So from the interviewing, the, the organization, you know, and I'm, I'm sure some of that's not billable, but then some of it is um, to actually writing the grant. How many, how many hours do you think it, it is? Yeah, I think that is a great question. And uh, I, I think a lot of it also depends on the type of grant that you're applying for. So I would say generally speaking and kind of like a vague sense, uh, when I'm working with a, a brand new client, say if their focus is on applying for foundation or corporation grants, then within the first month of working together, I would say it would take about 10 hours to really gather all of the information that I need and put it together in a cohesive uh, template and application to apply for that grant. Then after that first month, after that first 10 hours, uh, it, the process can move along a bit 
faster. I would say within that same amount of time, we could apply for potentially two grants in the next month, mainly because we've gotten the main information kind of gathered together. Uh, we're working out what are the, the most important uh, points that we want to keep bringing up. What are those key buzzwords? How can we really um, I identify the mission alignment between you and the funder? So uh, that that process goes a little bit faster. Now that again, that's with kind of foundation corporate grants. Federal grants are kind of this whole other world where they take a significant amount of time, and that could take upwards of 30 hours for an application because there's just so many different pieces to it, uh, and there's just so much more information also that needs to be gathered as this outside person. So, but I would say, you know, kind of in a vague sense, uh, in that first month of working together, I would estimate about 10 hours. And then maybe an additional hour of two or two of just like meeting time and being able to ask questions and mm. dig a little deeper for that information. It's very reasonable, I think, you know, 12 hours or less really to get your first application out there. And then you learn so much, you can get to a point where you start applying, you know, applying that same methodology, the same questions to the next yeah. one. And then maybe it goes down to five hours, then it goes down mm -hmm. to three hours with you just consulting you know, so it doesn't, I don't know if it really makes sense at that point for a small nonprofit to bring someone on full time yeah, yeah. unless they get unrestricted funds. And, you know, you go to your, like, listen, I think, you know, I had this really good podcast. And one of the things that the uh, person on the podcast for fundraising had said is the biggest mistake that he's saying is that nonprofits are not asking for unrestricted funds. Mm -hmm. And so they can't grow their organization because of that. And the fact is, if you go to a donor and let's say it's a, even just a business person and you say to him, listen, I need your donation uh, to go to unrestricted funds so that I can hire a grant writer so that we can win more awards and more grants. I think that mm -hmm. that person would kind of understand a little bit more about what you're trying to do. So, yeah. um, you know, I think it's out there. Um, yeah. All right, Lynn. Well, listen, that was a great podcast. Uh, I, you know, uh, you know, we really covered the key components of grant writing, which is really a, 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 the objective of really what I wanted to cover today. So I would like to thank so very much Lynn Arsenault from LMA Grant Consulting for coming on today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend. And so also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. If you like today's podcast, please give us a review on your podcasting app to give, help us get the word out. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Lynn, if someone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Sure. So they can uh, email me or they can visit my website and request a free consultation. So if they want to email me, my email address is lynn, L-Y-N-N, at lmagrantconsulting.com. And again, if they would like to go to my website, which is www.lmagrantconsulting.com, and they go to the contact page, you can request a free consultation so that we can connect. I can learn a little more about the work that you're doing, your interest in uh, grant writing and working with a consultant, and then kind of go from there. Great, Lynn, great job today. 
Great. And thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed uh, talking with you and sharing a bit more about the grant writing process. That was fun. And for our listeners out there, I just want to thank you for um, everything you do. Uh, you know, uh, it's been a tough year and you're at the front lines. We all have to do our part and you're doing your part every single day. So thank you again for, you know, what you're doing. Everybody have a fantastic day and have a great July the 4th, which is coming up. Thank you.